You can be turning in your Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 while you're turning there. I was given a note, uh, pray for Bella Nichols. She is not being released from the hospital and they are putting the IV back in. So uh, still having some problems that haven't been taken care of. Let's go ahead and pray for her together before we get into the message. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we do pray for little Bella. We pray, dear God, that you would give the doctors wisdom in everything that they do. And God, we pray you'd extend your healing touch to her body and give healing from this, uh, this problem that she has in her body. Meet every need, we pray. And be with the parents, comfort them during this time. May your presence be so real and dear to them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Notice we begin reading, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Our text today comes from verse 2, when he says, A time to be born and a time to die. The message today is a question, what time is it? Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I plead again for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, that Lord, you would speak to hearts today. Lord, take your message as you deal with each individual According to your perfect will, there are people here today, no doubt, that need Jesus as their Savior. And without Him, they cannot go to heaven. I pray today this would be the time that they get born again and receive that free gift of eternal life. I pray for believers because, Lord, we realize that our time is coming to die as well. How are we going to spend our time here? Lord, I pray that we would understand that and that we would learn today and be challenged And uh, we realize the truths of God's word are meant for us even beyond salvation. And Lord, we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Every once in a while you get to thinking about things of your past that might have been special circumstances or things that happened that made a special mark upon you. And I was thinking about 9-11. 9-11, man, go back to 2001. 2001, almost 23 years ago or 22 years ago, it was on that day that I happened to be in Washington. I was there for a Christian school meeting since I was a board member with the American Association of Christian Schools. And at that time, I was a vice president of the Alabama Christian Education Association. We were at the White House on that day and we were ready to getting ready to go in for uh, some information to be given us about Christian education in, in America. 
As we were standing at the one door of the office building, I don't remember the names of the different places there at the White House, uh, the leader of the American Association of Christian Schools had already gone in that door uh, to report in, and then we would be directed where we were supposed to hear the information that they were going to be giving us. And suddenly, a bunch of people started running out of that building. And as they were running out of the building, they said, run, there's a plane headed for the White House, and uh, so we ran. I mean, when everybody else is running, you just run too, isn't that right? Especially when they're commanding you to run. So we took off about, uh, oh, let's see, we went about two blocks, a little over two blocks before we stopped. We didn't have a clue really what was going on. Uh, We just heard that little bit. Uh, There were 114 Christian educators from around the country that were there. And I can still remember a couple of the men making note of an airplane that was flying rather low uh, near the White House. Uh, It didn't hit that. It's the plane that hit the Pentagon. Now, at that time, we didn't know it. We couldn't see the Pentagon from where we were at. Uh, After a while, we made up our mind that we were going to walk back to our hotel. It was the Holiday Inn there in Washington, D.C. And as we walked, we could see the smoke from where the plane hit the Pentagon. We could see the smoke rising up into the air. Man, I was amazed. One of the things I was amazed at was how quickly they shut down the city of Washington, D.C. I mean, in no time. And all the traffic was stopped, everything. So we're walking however far it was to get back to our hotel. The next day, I happened to be with the Cranes. They were living in Virginia. And the next day, I was able to get out of the city to go be with Brother Brian and his wife. And we were watching the news. And on the newscast, they they made this statement. They had speculated that the plane that hit the Pentagon was initially targeting the White House, but they happened to overfly it and came around and uh, took the Pentagon as their second shot. Now, I don't know about that. When you hear a lot of these stories within, you know, 48 hours to a week afterwards, they could be true, they might not be true. They were just speculating as to what was to be done. But I was thinking, you know, with 114 Christian educators from around the country that were there, uh, if that plane would have hit the White House, we'd all been taken out. That would have happened. Well, why didn't it hit then? Because it wasn't our time to die. Now, many of you can think of close calls that you had in your life that if something would have been just a little bit different, it would have meant your death. But it wasn't your time to die. The Bible says, as it is appointed unto man, once to die. The Bible says here, there is a time to die. The reality is there are so many ways to die. Terrorism is just one of them. And compared to an awful lot of things, it doesn't kill a great percentage of people, but it has killed its many thousands, no doubt. Disease, murder, car accident, stroke. Isn't this an uplifting message this morning? Heart, simple accident. I remember... When I was pastoring at Tennessee Ridge, we had a man that was, uh, he had just bought a mobile home. He was putting it up on a piece of property that he had purchased. The mobile home had been set in place and they they were taking the utility pole and they were putting that in kind of beside the mobile home. I wasn't there for this. Obviously, I found out about it within just within an hour of it taking place. But while they were moving that pole around, evidently it slipped the grip of a couple of people. And as the pole fell, it didn't fall far, but it hit the man who had purchased that trailer. It hit him right in the temple. He collapsed to the ground and died. 
When we went for the viewing, you couldn't see a mark on him. You'd look at him and say, I wonder why in the world he's dead. I mean, there were no bruises any place. He was dead. Why? It was a time to die. As it is appointed unto man, once to die. I think one of the most famous lines that John Wayne, the movie actor, ever uttered was in one of his Western movies, where he was staying in a place that was basically protected by an Indian chief by the name of Victorio. And the thing that I remember about this, because it was kind of a startling statement, what happened was Vittorio and his Indians got into a fight with some cavalry, and Vittorio was killed. And word had come back to John Wayne and the people that he was with that Vittorio was dead. When the woman heard it, knowing that Vittorio was responsible for them being protected where they were living, she kind of blurted out, Vittorio's dead? And John Wayne said this, everybody gets dead. It was his turn. And I'm sorry, ever since I heard that, whenever I hear somebody dying, I think it was his turn. It was his turn. There is a time to die. And yes, everybody gets dead. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. We like to think that we have control over our lives, and we don't have much control at all. So many things can happen that are totally out of our control, but suddenly we are a part of it. Things that we never planned, things that we never did. You don't have to be living a dangerous life in order to be killed. You don't have to be a nutcase jumping off a bridge with a rubber band tied around your ankles that somebody forgot to strap onto the bridge. I mean, you can just be walking down the street and fall over with a heart attack to die. It's kind of amazing as you hear some of the stories of people fighting in wars, how much it took to actually kill a person and then also how little it took to actually kill a person. There is a time to die. So I want to talk about that today because that is something that we all have in common. There is a time coming that will be our death day. Everybody. And this is not something just to be remembered when we go to a funeral home of some loved one who has died. But we need to live with the reality that this life is coming to an end. And it really, that, there's some people that might be up in your 80s who are going to live longer than somebody in their 30s. We just don't know. So let me mention, first of all, the reality of death. Young and old both die. Rich and poor die. In the story Jesus told of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, he says that came to pass the beggar died. It was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torment. Now, one was rich, the other was poor, but they both died. You realize healthy and unhealthy men die. Dangerous living men and safe men die. Now, there's a reason for that. God gives us 
the reason for why we are going to die. He says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 5, 12, he declares, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Of course, that one man was Adam. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You understand the reason we're going to die is because we have sinned. And the wages of our sin is death. The Bible says there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As someone else has said, in spite of inflation, the death rate is still the same for everybody. One per person. You can count on it. It is a fact that we, you and me, are going to die. Some of you remember the name Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, I don't know if he was the richest man in the world, but he was a famous American who, uh, industrialist who built an awful lot of stuff. He got in his latter, latter years, he tried to do everything he could to keep from dying. He had even created it for himself, an atmosphere that was germ-free. He lived a recluse those last few years of his life, using his money to simply try to protect himself from dying. But guess what? He died. You're not going to escape that. As it is appointed unto man once to die. Now that's the reality of death. But then there's the variable of death. Well, what is the variable of death? When? You don't know when you're going to die. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. None of us know we're going to, whether or not we're going to be here tomorrow. I've got plans of things I'm looking forward to doing tomorrow, but I may never get an opportunity to do any of those things. So many different things could happen to keep me from it. The Bible says in James 4, 14, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's kind of like, you know, those kids get those little bubbles things where they take out that uh, little wand that they have out of the liquid that's there and they blow on it and bubbles fly around. And some of them pop sooner than others pop, but they all pop. None, none of them keep flying around. They just, they all pop. You just don't know when, even in looking at them, when each one of them are going to pop. Now, God knows, but you don't know. As a matter of fact, Job had this to say in Job chapter 14 and verse 5. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds and he cannot pass. Yeah, there's a time appointed in a man. It's like you've got an invisible alarm clock on your head. It tells you when you're going to die. Now, the thing is, you can't see it. It's not set the same for everybody. But everybody has a time that they're going to die. Many, many great people have died very young. And many great people have died very old. It's different for each one of us. But the point is, we're all going to give an account for whatever time it is that we had. We seem to think it is so unfair that somebody young dies. But the reality is, all of us deserve to die. The amazing thing is that some of us get to live a whole long time. But even our long times is very, very short in light of eternity. This matter of the variable of death, when? I believe God could take me home from this pulpit this morning if he chose. 
There have been preachers who have died while they were preaching. Kind of kills the message. <laughs> Ends the invitation. Although I guarantee it gets some people thinking. Isn't that right? That's one of the things that bothers me about funerals. People walk up and they look at the person in the casket and they say, don't he look natural? (laughs) Naturally dead. Big deal, still dead. Now, when Wally dies, he's going to have a recording in his casket. And when you trip the motion sensor, it's going to say, don't I look natural? You've told me you were going to do that. Oh, don't I look good? And I'm not going to comment on that, although that's a softball right there, isn't it? I'd throw that one up. I remember when my mother had cancer for the second time, and it was obvious that she wasn't coming out of this one. So we went down to Florida. She lived in Homosassa at that time. And we were out walking on her driveway, just my mom and I. And she said to me, she said, Mike, I, I always knew I was going to die. I just didn't think it'd be so soon. And I said to my mom, well, mom, it's really not important when you die. It's important how you die. And then I asked her again, do you know for sure if you died right now? that you'd go to heaven. Now, I had led my mom to Christ. She came down to uh, Tennessee to hear me preach my first, my, my, it was my third message that she came down to hear me preach. And afterwards, I got to lead her to Christ. But I wanted to make sure that she was sure that she had trusted Christ and was going to heaven. She said, yes, I know that I have taken Christ as my Savior. Well, praise the Lord. We moved here in October of 1989. To become pastor of Madison Baptist Church. My first Sunday here was the next to last Sunday in the month of October of 1989. It was the sixth anniversary of the church. Now that makes it very easy for me to remember how many years I've been pastor. Since we got our 40th anniversary as a church coming up. Subtract six. That's how long I've been here. Okay. 34 years at Madison Baptist Church. But now we moved down here in October. Well, we got up to like the third week in November. And for those of you who were residents here, you remember that tornado that hit downtown Huntsville. Went right through where the old airport was at. Killed over 20 people. The tornado hit at 420 in the afternoon. The tornado siren went off at 425. Which, of course, didn't do those people that got hit any good. But it was during drive time. I don't know where else they would have been anyway. But the point is this. Those people, when they went to work that day, all of them were expecting to go home at the end of the day. They were looking forward to the weekend that was coming up. They had plans, there's no doubt. You don't know when you're going to die. And it could be a weather thing. It could be a a drunk driving down the street, coming at you, and suddenly they cross the yellow line and they hit you. Any number of things could happen. One of, I've shared this one with you a number of times in different messages, but one of the strangest occurrences to me, at least it stands out to me of a person dying, was a man by the name of 
Carlos Umbas. He was from Pampango, Philippines. He was out fishing. And while fishing, he yawned, and a fish jumped out of the water into his throat. And it got stuck there. He suffocated, choked to death with that fish in his mouth. It's one of the reasons why I don't go fishing. I may die in a strange way, but it won't be that way. All right? Not going to happen. The variable. The reality is we're all going to die. The variable is we don't know when, but you can count on it. It is going to happen. And after this, the judgment. That brings that third point, the reality of judgment. And after this, judgment. I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 16 just a moment. I know this is familiar to you. But I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 16. This is important. The teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is speaking. In verse 19, he says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Now, what a contrast that is to the person he talks about next. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So one man had everything. He had all the food he could possibly want. He had all the money that he needed for fine clothes, fine living, all of that. And this other man, this beggar, he was so poor, he had to beg for food from the rich man's table. And he couldn't even get rid of the dogs that like to lick on his sores. Two people at opposite ends of the spectrum. But it says in verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torment. Some people want to say that this hell is the grave. It is not the grave. He's dead. The Bible says he died. He wasn't playing dead. They didn't make a mistake and bury him alive. He died. And when he died, he lift up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Now, some people want to call this a a parable. But Jesus did not call it a parable. And you read all the parables that the Lord Jesus Christ told. In none of the parables that he called parables does he ever give a name of any of the individuals in any of those parables. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever to believe that this is a parable. This is a true story. But even if it was a parable, i tell you the truth that comes out of this parable. You die without Christ, you burn in hell for eternity. And it is a place of torment. And you can't get out. And nobody that would want to come and rescue you can come and rescue you. Matter of fact, nobody can even come and put a drop of water on your tongue. That is the reality of judgment. Turn over to Romans, or Revelation chapter 20, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 20. And notice the scripture says, beginning in verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of it. Now go on down to verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Jesus says of this, by the way, in Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I know many of you have heard this, me say this many times. But Jesus spoke more about hell than any other person in the scripture. He never even hinted that it wasn't there. It is a definite place that Jesus talked about. By the way, when it came to heaven, Jesus said this, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus doesn't lie. Jesus always tells the truth. Hell is a horrible place. By the way, nobody in the Bible spoke as graphically about hell than did Jesus Christ. Now, why do you think it's that way? Why do you think he spoke so graphically about hell and so often about hell? I believe it's because he didn't want anybody to go there. And so he is warning mankind so that you won't go there. You can have salvation. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you want to go to heaven, dear friend, you have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. This judgment here that we're just reading about is the great white throne judgment. In Revelation 21.8, the Bible says, um, well, you're just right there. We, you can read it. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, during and before World War II, the Nazis of Nazi Germany had a membership role. There were over 8 million names on that membership role, and it's amazing how many people wanted to get their name on it. And they wanted to get their name on it because to be on the Nazi membership role meant power, also meant open doors for them. But when Germany lost World War II and the Nazi membership role was fine, these people who had clamored to get on it now were sorry that they were because for many of them, it meant investigation, prison, and for some, it meant death. Guaranteed, they wish they hadn't had their name on that role. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to have your name on God's roll. And if it's not there, as he said back in verse 15 of chapter 20, and whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, God knows who are his. I've had people say to me, well, preacher, I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. You better be more sure than thinking. You know, you don't want to die and find out you weren't okay. Bible says this, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. God wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to know that you've got it. No, K-N-O-W wants you to know that you've got it. Not think, not hope, 
but know that you've got it. This is so key. You've got to have this down. Jesus tells a story in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Jesus said, then will I profess unto them, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Going to be a lot of religious people in hell. There are going to be a lot of preachers in hell. Going to be a lot of deacons in hell. There are going to be a lot of church members in hell. You say, oh, you, Brother Alice, you used to believe that all the Baptists are the only ones going to heaven. No, I'm more narrow-minded than that. There's a lot of Baptists aren't going to heaven. You can be a member of a Baptist church, die and go to hell. What church you're a member of doesn't take you to heaven. The church can't save you. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you. Jesus said, I, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said, you marvel not, you must be born again. If you've not been born again, you'll die lost. He doesn't want you to die that way. He went to the cross of Calvary so you wouldn't have to die that way. You have Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What a marvelous promise. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But now, as I said, there is this reality of judgment for all who die. For the lost, it means hell. It means burning and torment for eternity, no end to it whatsoever. Well, what about for the saved? Well, the saved have a judgment. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's very, very plain in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here is something for the saved. There is a judgment. Notice he says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I have been a Christian now since 1971. I was 22 years of age when I took Jesus Christ as my Savior. And as a Christian, I'm going to have to give an account to my Savior at the judgment seat of Christ for how I have spent my Christian life. Now, understand that this judgment has nothing to do with whether or not I'm going to heaven. If you're at this judgment, you're already going. To be at the judgment seat of Christ, you have to already know Christ as Savior. This does not determine whether or not you get to heaven. This does determine your rewards in heaven. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, every man's work should be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work be burned, he shall suffer loss, though he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. See, this judgment is only for believers, those who have taken Jesus Christ as their Savior. How are you spending, Christian, your Christian life? Are you living for Him? Are you spending it on yourself? So you've got the reality of judgment. 
We got the reality of death, the variable of death, the reality of judgment. But then there's the guarantee of eternity. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Very famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a marvelous promise. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, there is the guarantee of eternity. The Bible says of the lost, for those who die without Christ, the smoke of their torment ascendeth forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, Revelation 14 and verse 11. For the saved, though, we get to spend our eternity with him, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. Marvelous promises in the word of God. Romans 6, 23, I quoted it earlier. Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, how long is eternal? It's forever. How long is everlasting? It's forever. And that's the promises of life for those who've taken Christ as Savior. So because of the reality of death, because of the variable of death, because of the reality of judgment, because of the guarantee of eternity. Therefore, let's choose life. The sovereign God of heaven, because he wants everybody to go to heaven, gives you a choice. God could have made us robots who have no choice. We just have to do whatever God says is to be done, and we just walk around. That's not what God wanted. God wanted people to choose to love him. It's your choice. If you die and go to hell, it'll be because you didn't choose to take Christ as Savior. To go to heaven, you have to make a choice. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. But it's your choice. I still remember knocking on the door. This was, uh, this was I, I want to say in Manchester, Tennessee, but it might have been here. Um, Knocked on the door of a, a gentleman came to the door, ball-headed fella, like some of you. And uh, he, well, some of you are bald-headed. All right, helps to identify you. He was missing part of his, well, he is missing his right arm below the elbow. And so I, I asked him, I said, sir, do you know if you died tonight, you go to heaven? He said, listen, I fought in the war and gave this so that I wouldn't have to listen to this. I said, well, you don't have to fight in a war to do that. You don't have to listen. He said, preacher, I don't want to hear it. Okay. That's on you. Our job is to go and tell people. They don't want to hear. That's on them. If we've done our job and told them, then thank God we're released from our responsibility. But why not choose life. Let's live. There's a time to be born and there is a time to die. So let's choose life. He gives us time. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose 
life. Jesus said, the thief does not come but for to kill and to steal and to destroy, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. God wants you to have life, but he's not going to force it on you. You can die and go to hell, or you can come to Jesus and have life. It's up to you. The problem is, you don't know when you're going to die. You say, well, I've got things I want to do first. Okay, so you're willing to risk an eternity in hell because you've got a few things you want to do first, and you think those things are going to comfort you while you burn in hell? While you're burning in hell and screaming from the torment like the rich man that we read about, you're thinking, well, at least I got to see the Grand Canyon. Well, at least I got to skydive out of a plane. Well, at least I got, what? How ridiculous is that? Now, I recognize that as you look at a number of these videos of all the stupid things that people have done, and you think, man, that is nuts, that is absolutely crazy, that you wonder, do these people even, were they born with a brain? Why, why did they risk their entire life on five seconds of a thrill? Have we lost our ability to think, to even reason? Bible declares, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let me tell you something. At Madison Baptist Church, the number one reason that we are here is try to get lost sinners to come to Jesus. That's why we're here. Oh, we could, we could tell all kinds of funny stories, have you leaving feeling good about your lost condition even. But there's nothing good about being lost. I was lost for 22 years of my life. And my greatest regret is that I didn't come to know Jesus sooner. That's reality. R.A. Torrey, preacher from back in the latter part of the 1800s, first part of the 1900s, he used to tell a story, I've told it before, about a man who had worked in a circus most of his life. He was from Europe, but he'd come to the United States. And he had traveled with one of the big traveling circuses of the latter part of the 1800s. And he took every bit of extra money that he made and he had saved it aside. And with that, he had spent it on a very expensive diamond near the time that he was going to retire. And he bought himself a a ticket across the Atlantic Ocean to come back to Europe and to use that diamond that he had to set him up for life, to buy a house, to take care of him for the rest of his life. And while he's going across, made conversation with people, and they found out that he had been a great juggler and had performed in cities all across the country. And he said, they told him, he says, and this is what I had to show for it right here. And so here he is on shipboard. He's on the deck. He throws it up in the air, catches it, nothing to it. And they just thought, well, that's amazing that you would even you would even attempt to do that right here on the deck. And he said, oh, it's nothing. And he walked over to the railing, threw the thing up in the air, caught it at the last second. They clapped and cheered. He threw it up higher, caught it at the last second. They clapped and cheered. He's now getting into this thing with the crowd cheering him on. And he throws it up in the air even higher. 
At the last moment, he goes to reach out, but evidently a wave must have hit the side of the ship or something and altered it just a hair. And instead of catching it in his palm, it hit him on the finger and dropped off into the ocean. You speak, talk about dumb, that's dumb. He was gambling, you see, with all that that he worked. But that man was not near as much of a fool as a person who would walk out those doors without Jesus Christ. When you could have him an eternal life this morning. There's a time to be born. And there is a time to die. And if your time was this afternoon, where would you go? If your time was this afternoon, for those of you who are saved, how have you been living your life? Been living for Jesus? Or just yourself? Which is it? What time is it? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear God, deal with our hearts today, I pray. You know every individual here. You know who has already taken Christ as Savior. And you know who hasn't really. There may be someone that's a member of Madison Baptist Church and been a member for years. But every time I ask the question about salvation, they raise their hand while they're still doubting. They don't really know where they're going when they die. I pray they'd come get it settled this morning. Any visitors that are here that do not have the assurance of heaven when death comes, I pray they'd come to Jesus this morning and be saved. I pray for believers, dear God, for however long we've got left before our appointment time comes, for believers who are not spending their life and living for you, I pray, Father, today you would deal with their hearts that they get serious about their Christian walk. Have your way in every life today, I pray in Jesus' name.